The Garden of Man, written by Thomas Dillard, read by the author. In an ancient land far away stood a kingdom of a forgotten time, that of myth, fantasy, and legend, but was real to all those who lived during it. Hidden in the mountains was a white castle that stood and protected the people of Anglia. The king of the land before the current was a man of great want and greed, loving all that was wrong. He even accused his most trusted white knights who bore his red lion sigil on their chests, claiming treason against them falsely, expelling them from his land, seizing their gold, and putting those who would not leave to be burned at the stake. A curse! The leader of the holy white knights shouted as he burned at the stake in front of the kingdom. A curse upon you and this land! Damning them with his last breath. That winter the king would die, his body reeking of such a horrible smell that no one could bear to be in the same room as his lifeless corpse. On the day of the king's funeral, his son took the crown, while also taking the throne that was now tainted by his father's legacy. The White Castle stood in the middle of the kingdom. To the east, north, and south stood several mountains that overlooked the walls, hidden in the valleys. Only to the west could anyone leave the kingdom on a straight road to the outside world. The walls were sturdy and strong from invaders. The people had known peace from the outside world for a generation. The beauty inside was incomparable to anything else. A triangle formed in the middle of the city of the three main pillars. The castle in the northern middle, the garden to the west, and the fountain in the east. The green leaves on the garden were so beautiful, no one even dared to touch it for fear of destroying its fairness. The fountain was almost as tall as the castle, made of the same white granite to match, as well as the city walls. The fountain has three levels of bowls, going from south to north, with each bowl going from largest to smallest. The people would drink and make wishes into the water, as their hopes and dreams stood with it. Inside the white stone castle, the people of the land were held back by guards and the few knights that remained. They screamed, Liar! Deceiver! Tyrant! at the king as they tried to push into the throne that stood over the open courtroom. The king was a perfect renaissance portrait of a monarch, tall, handsome, strong with broad shoulders and with a touch of gray in his black beard, showing wisdom without being an old man. During the scuffle to get inside the large doors of the castle, a knight was pushed so far by the crowd that he was forced over the edge of the wall, falling to his death in the deep river below. In between the mob and the monarchy stood Peter, standing on the side, his back against the wall watching the madness from afar. The eldest advisor to the king, Medrin, as wise as he is old, tries his best to calm the people. You don't know what you're doing. This is your king. This is your land, too. The usurper who led the crowd inside walked free from the mob, going past the guards and up to Medoran to question him. The usurper was a skinny man with a soft black beard, green eyes, and wore the finest clothes in all the realm. Was it not you who stood by and allowed the white knights to be burned? I told the former king it was folly, but my words did not reach his heart. Then what use is your counsel? 
The usurper turned from Medarin to look at the people. Your land has been stolen. Your rights are thrown away. An invasion of your very person has been orchestrated by this man who is your king. Peter pondered the question the usurper had been asking, putting his hand under his chin and thinking that life had become more scrutinized since the burning of the White Knights. The king had allowed the usurper to say his piece, but knowing that things would only grow more dangerous the more he was allowed to stand against his rule. Giving a look to the leader of the royal guard, he nodded and the usurper was grabbed by both arms and pulled towards the exit along with the mob. A critique! A critique! A critique! The usurper roared, leading the people as he was being dragged outside. The king, with a flick of his wrist, notioned for his guards to allow the usurper to speak, sealing his fate within his own halls. <laughs> Tell us! Usurper questioned the king, wiping dust from his person. What will you do to help the people? To stop this new invasion of our personal life. My father. The king questioned himself as he looked down. His legacy I carry on. I must protect you all, care for you all, and lead this land I've been commanded to. <laughs> he claims to carry his father's deeds, and I have no argument on that. He who killed the white knights and forced their priests from our land. He demands we follow his role by threat of the edge of the blade, without our consent. He controls all, all of us while changing the laws of the land at the drop of a hat. The people began to whisper amongst themselves at the usurper's claims against the king. In the back of the court behind the mob and the usurper, an owl hooted. Black with reptilian features in his yellow eyes, the owl hooted again spreading his dark wings as its shadows spread throughout the room. What use has the king been for you? The usurper asked the crowd while pointing to the throne. What use has the king been for you? The usurper questions the harlot. She shakes her head before screaming. None. What use has the king been for you? The usurper interrogates the merchant. He shakes his head before yelling. None! What use has the king been for you? The usurper asks the fool. He shakes his head, shouting. Off with his head! The usurper shakes his hand at the king, yelling. The king has betrayed us all! Let us to rot and call it fruit. To dust and call it gold. To the edge of the abyss and call it heaven! The crowd becomes a frenzy of rage driven by madness, trying to push the guards with all their strength, screaming, chanting, and spitting for blood the whole way, trying to reach the king, trying to reach the throne. Enough! The king roared as he stood from his chair. His red cape flowed across the room, pushing all back from his power. I am the king of this land! My family has ruled this land for generations and will continue to rule this land. Out! I say, out! All of you! The people no longer pushed the guards with the same vigor as before, listening and obeying their king as they prepared to leave. 
The shadow, seeing the opportunity, whispered another message into the usurper's ear. He tells us to leave so we can no longer have a voice in our own kingdom. No! I will never compromise! You are outside the side of ruling, and you will never be the man you wish to be while you carry the burden of envy in your eye. The usurper was pushed back to a knee from the power of truth. Scared by the king's calm voice as if he had raised a sword to take his life, the want of power and revenge filled his heart as he ran for the wall of legends and pulled a spear free from its metal confines. The wood was clean, and the metal tip was as sharp as a dragon's tooth. In a cloud of madness, he screamed and drove the spear into the king's heart. With a grunt, blood spilling from his chest, he fell to his knees and gave up his life. Save the king! A knight shouted as he ran towards the dead king, trying to protect what remained of him. The usurper stood still. The mob, hungry for more blood, ran past him, raided the castle, and attacked the royal supporters. Encircling the people, the few knights and guards tried to protect the loyalists as they escaped the castle. Stop! Medarin shouted to the crowd, holding up his hands, trying to stop any more bloodshed from the mob. You have doomed us all! The crowd was uncontrollable. Running through the halls, destroying, burning, and killing anyone who could not get behind the guards. Chaos spread, not only over the interior of the castle walls, but all over the kingdom. With the blood of the king on the usurper's palms, he stared at his hands. He couldn't help but shed a tear, as he knew he was not his father, and that the current king was not the former. His action was done, and could not be undone, as he would have to live with his actions forever. Knowing this, he dived deep within his own darkness, taking the blood of the dead king, wiping it all over his face and body, marking himself as a murderer. The shadow grew not only over the usurper, but over the whole kingdom. Before, the sky was empty, with the rays of sun shining down upon the world on the beautiful day. The moment after the king was slain, the sky filled with gray clouds and a looming storm. The people still loyal to the king were cast out of the kingdom, forced by the edge of the sword to migrate to a mountain that overlooked their lost land. The queen buried her husband in grief and dirt as she gave her final goodbye. The king's son, the prince, watched as the people tried to rebuild their lives hidden in the peaks. Only Medarin remained, refusing to leave the land even under threat of death. Seeing him as more of a nuisance than a threat to their power, they allowed him to live. The kingdom was controlled by their conquest. Outside, the people all gathered together to celebrate the death of their king creating a new, large, vertical throne made of charcoal black stone for the usurper. With over a hundred steps to reach the seat at the top, the outline of a black owl was engraved in the stone, with blood-red eyes that bled as it loomed over the new kingdom. The usurper sat as he watched the people below him on this dark pedestal. The people made a feast not seen in the kingdom for over a hundred years biting and chewing past their limits, as if there was no tomorrow, no future, only today. 
devouring so much food, many of them could hardly stand from their tables, emptying the food reserves hidden away for this one night of celebrating the banquet, washing down their spread with a river of wine that now only held a few drops within the barrels. Midoran still tried to reach the people. Please, turn from this. He would tell any passerby who he could touch like a homeless man begging for food. They all ignored him, too busy feasting, drinking, and enjoying themselves. The people started a massive fire in the middle of downtown once night had come, setting ablaze that of their forefathers' legacy, the Great Garden. They burned to try and build their own without carrying on the former. Some were somber at the destruction of the garden, as they had always loved it, reassuring themselves that they could build something bigger, something greater, as the fire stood as tall as the castle, consuming the leaves. Inside the inferno, the people began tearing down their monuments, paintings, books, and statues of a former age, throwing it all into the heat as they watched the flames grow bigger and bigger with each former relic burning inside. As the temperature began to rise, one of the men started to take off his clothes, his body covered in sweat. The people looked around, shocked at first. The harlot saw her chance and began to arouse the man. The fool and the merchant followed their lead, as everyone else began tearing off their attire to enjoy the momentary pleasures of life throwing their garments and burning them into the flames as they began to fornicate. The fire burned behind them as a dark force raged inside what they had set. Standing a hundred feet tall was the spirit of the bull staring down at them. The shadow over the kingdom only grew darker as nightfall made the cover of their deeds harder to see. Peter, unsure if to go along with the deeds committed by everyone around him, walked up to their new ruler. The usurper's internal character began to manifest itself on his outside appearance. His black hair turned a metal silver, dark black bags under his hazel eyes, and a mess of stubble on his chin that was more scruffy than an unwashed dog. With his face beginning to sink into itself, he had aged 20 years in one night. Peter asked him a simple question. Should I also join in this festival? They are doing things we are unsure of joining in. As you will. The usurper said, sitting still on his throne, now turned dark, falling back into the void. Peter smiled, giving himself the ability to do as he pleased, ripping off his threads and joining in the new sacred ritual of the destruction of flesh for the night. Midoran turned his eyes away from the people, ashamed at what he saw. He wept that night at what had corrupted them. The light of morning was dim, so much so that many slept past the crack of dawn thinking it was still night. The smoke from the fire was still a stack leading to the sky above. As the people awoke, some felt regret for the night before, others still unsure, and some wanted to do it again. Trying to make the same pleasure as the night before, only to discover it had lost the same feeling of gratitude it once had. Try as they might, the magic was gone, and only a hollow feeling in their hearts remained. 
Worst of all, the food that they had stored for so many winters was now empty. The fear of hunger now grew, as well as the conflict over supplies, mates, and anything else their hearts desired. The fear of the unwanting drove the conflict. Men began to shout, push, and fight for what they desired. The war had begun in the kingdom. Men began to break chunks off the castle walls, throwing it at one another, destroying the beauty that remained of the castle. Midoran had tried to stop them, but was thrown to the ground for his defense. In a matter of moments, the castle was all but destroyed, annihilating what had taken a century to build in seconds. Peter, seeing how horrific the fighting became, ran to the usurper, begging on his knees for help. Stop them! Peter cried. As you will. The usurper said, sitting still on his now dark throne, once again falling back into the void. The merchant was surrounded by soldiers, warriors, and any other man able to fight. Guarding his possessions before his life, he put his back against the mountain of gold, jewelry, and any other valuable objects that shine like a beacon in the night, drawing in the predators. Spreading his arms in vain to try and protect all of his objects that reached further than ten of his arms could touch. He had been the most successful in acquiring things in all of the kingdom, making him the first and the easiest of all the targets. Mine! The merchant shouted, trying to deter the men. It's mine, not yours. Mine! Move, and you will live! A soldier dressed head-to-toe in armor told him. No, no, no! He screamed, trying to put everything he owned in his hands and run. The men were merciless, but quick. The shadows devoured him, with their steel dancing in his blood. The fighting over the shining valuables only grew more intense as the once beautiful features that had made them so handsome had now turned them monstrous. They had become something unknowable, something darker, something inhuman. That night, a different fire burned, this time made in the hearts of men, both fighting and not. In the morning, the love of brothers was now destroyed, bodies torn, defaced, and mangled. In the morning smoke, no smiling faces from the pleasure of that night covered any of the people's faces. Only death. Trying to make sense of that night, many people moved on, ignoring their dead and that of the living. The people have now changed. Worse than before, the famine had begun. The hunger this morning was tenfold that of yesterday. When the sun was supposed to come out, only darkness remained. A darkness with no stars, no sun, and no moon. Only a black sky above. The curse had grown. The water that had replenished their souls from the white fountain was now corrupted. A sludge that was greasy to the touch and burned the mouths of those who dared put it to their lips. Midoran on his knees tried to restore the water, pulling jug after jug out, hoping that the fresh water would spring from the well. None ever came out. Try as he might, covering himself in filth as he worked. 
The fool danced, joked, and juggled to entertain the people. They had long since stopped smiling and being happy. <laughs> A traveler with white britches looks at our land and now needs brown britches. The fool said as he juggled, trying to break the people's permanent frowns that were stapled across their faces. The people were not amused. They only felt hatred towards beauty. Angry, starving, and looking for someone to blame, they turned on the fool to say Buddhist jokes that once had made them fall over with laughter. Screaming with red eyes, they surrounded him, wanting to crush his bones to dust, spill his blood, and feel a pinch of joy at his expense. Feeling the energy changing, the fool tried to escape, running away from the people through the streets, only to be stopped by the walls and a closed gate keeping him locked within the city. The mob encircled him like a rat. Climbing the stairs and getting to the roof of the tower, he attempted to escape by jumping over the ledge and jumping into a stack of hay outside the city walls. He could see his freedom as he reached the cobblestone ground on top. He felt the city walls and prepared to jump over the edge. Finally seeing the sun for the first time in days as the warmth reinvigorated his soul. A second away from going over the edge, the mob pulled him back inside, lifting him up over their heads like a trophy of war before throwing him to his death from the wrong edge of the castle his body falling and crashing to the sea of darkness that remained of the once great fountain in the heart of the city. His blood caused red lines across the black sludge as it leaked across the fountain. The fool no longer joked, smiled, or laughed. Face down in his own remains, he lived no more. Peter was now a skinny piece of meat of more bones than flesh. He crawled to the usurper's throne on his belly, begging for help. Please! We are starving! Help us get some food! The usurper's face was now completely hollow, as it looked as if he had become one with the chair. His body is covered in boils, and his features are now goatish. His skin now attached to the walls, as the darkness becomes the very air around him. The owl's saucer blood-red eyes looked over the top of his head, staring at everyone and no one at once. As you will. The usurper said, sitting still on the throne now turned dark, falling back into the void. Fear became the currency of the day, as everyone became afraid of everything, anyone, and most of all, the future. The people's homes now resembled the dissolved remains of the castle. The once great granite white, now dark gray clay that resembled only a fraction of its former glory. The hunger remained for all, as the people became more desperate for food and to feel anything beyond the black void. The harlot began to make her rounds, offering herself for anyone who would give her a scrap of bread to eat. The people especially the women, began to take notice and grew with the rage that bubbled up under the surface of their souls. Finding the harlot with stacks of food she had hidden away, she was captured by the women to meet a brutal end. Midorin walked to the people getting their attention as he told them to turn before a final judgment. He was met with only anger and blame. 
The people grabbed him as they chained him to the remains of the once great granite white castle to watch. Death had come. The harlot was taken to the black remains of the garden and tied to a stake. She begged for her life as the people looked like monsters around her. Ghoulish faces and features with a thirst for destruction that would never be quenched. With torches and pitchforks in hand, they set the harlot ablaze with Peter leading the charge. After igniting her body, he peered over to a cracked mirror that was found amongst the rubble. Picking up the mirror, glancing at his own reflection, he dropped the glass in horror at what he had become. His face now molded to monstrous features, horns, and a sunken face with black eyes were all that remained of his once human face. He would have cried if only he could feel. The harlot was inside the fire as it burned away her flesh. She screamed. A curse! A curse upon you all! She shrieked with her final words. Silence. Then, something worse. The fire that they had created gave way, falling a thousand miles per hour below into the ground, forming a tunnel leading to the core of the earth. The people looked inside the abyss and saw only darkness. Staring as if in a trance, they could not move their eyes from its magnetic pull. The abyss had them in its spider web and would not let the people go. The demonic force came up from below. As you will. The usurper spoke on repeat, talking to no one as they no longer cared to ask him for permission. His body was now in the most decayed state. Dusty cobwebs covered his entire gray body. His shallow breathing was the only thing proving he wasn't a corpse. From below the crust of the earth, the gateway to the core is being ripped open by a dark shadow. A crater to the center of the earth was opened. The flame from below was a hurricane of wind and heat. Lava raged and spewed out, reaching taller than the castle, before falling back inside, making a pool of molten below. The smoke alone was hot enough to burn a man alive just by touching the white fog. The damned of humanity began to climb out of the depths. Only their souls remained, climbing the sides of the fiery rim, moving like worms in the dirt. Row after row, they swarmed until they reached the surface. Without a body, their souls flew aimlessly above, violently searching in the sky for a new living host to take over. The graveyard where so many of the dead had been put to rest was overflowing with corpses. The angry souls found their new bodies, bringing them back to a form of life. Their bodies were zombie-like in appearance, with some so long since dead that they were only a skeleton with eyes. Laughing at their new form of existence as they were no longer forsaken. Ready to indulge their rage onto humanity. The people of the former kingdom ran for their lives and hid praying to not be found. But the hunger for revenge against the living, against joy, and against life itself drove the dead skeletons to hunt them down like dogs in the night. Casting a net to capture as many humans as they could get their hands on. 
pulling them towards them as they began to strike and devour their flesh. As the dead ravaged and devoured the living, something darker, more powerful, and more angry came from below. A demon standing three dozen feet tall pulled its way from hell below. Black hair that was shaggy like a bear fresh from the river covered the monster. Its eyes so black that there could be no soul behind the pupils. Horns that stabbed out of its forehead were sharper than the finest blades of any land. The beast was big and fast, moving at lightning speed and outdoing the violence committed by the fallen humans, ripping, throwing, and devouring the living. On one hand, the beast could hold over ten men and women inside its palm. All hope was lost for those who were taken by the grip of the monster. Out of the mouth of the burning lava came terror that was unimaginable, each worse than the horror before it. The living were being massacred to extinction. Midoran cried as he asked, Why? To the heavens above. The usurper had lost his soul as much as he had his flesh, with the emptiness of his body now completely hollowed out. Only a skeleton remained as the blackness inside his soul flew out and was pulled along into the wind. The skeleton's remains fell over and turned to dust upon the impact against the dirt covered ground. The throne was pulled to ash from a strong gust, ending his kingdom forever. From the mountains to the west, the people that had been driven out from their land cower in fear from the torment of their former countrymen. Hiding under the ground and inside their houses as hell raged on the outside world. Only one man stood outside and watched the chaos. The firstborn and only son of the king. Watching the kingdom that was his birthright burn from the edge of the mountain. The flames of the burning castle shone in his blue eyes. The same eyes as his father's. He was young. Only a few winters away from an adult man. Knowing that the time was right, he went to his father's grave and pulled free his family's golden sword. In the world of darkness, his light shined bright, burning through the chaos and preparing to return to his kingdom. With the golden bladed hand, he cut free Medarin from his chains and handed him down his father's crown. I give you the dirt-covered crown that was my father's. The prince asks Medarin. If I be worthy and you will place it upon my head, I swear it, to fight and kill the darkness that assaults the land, to restore what was once good. The prince kneeled before Medarin, staring at the golden crown, sword, and kneeling prince. Medarin knew he was worthy. Placing the crown on the prince's head, he rose and became the king. With sword in hand, the king prepared for battle against the forces of darkness and retook his father's kingdom.
tells us to leave so we can all not. <laughs>